How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is SeatGeek. Our friends at SeatGeek have a promo code L-O-N-B-A. Again, that's L-O-N-B-A for Locked on NBA. That would allow you to get a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out and use that today. And if you've already used it, well, just go to SeatGeek anyways because they're going to have the best deal on tickets. And... I don't know about you, Frank. I don't think you're much of a baseball guy, but the Brewers playoff race is very real, um, and the Cubs are going to be in town later this week. So if you're looking for the best deal on tickets, I would suggest going to SeatGeek. That might be the best way to get into that game, um, but otherwise it's going to be crazy. So hopefully things go well. You're not much of a baseball guy, right? Uh, do I have that right? Well, I I, I used to be a huge baseball fan, um, really. But, I mean, doing Brew Hoop and, you know, just kind of getting z- so zoned in on basketball kind of killed a yeah. lot of my interest in, in other sports. But, I mean, I, I still watch every Packer game possible, um, which is easy, right? Football is easy to do that with. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I did watch the game on Sunday. And then baseball... I check the box scores every day, so I'm oh. like a religious. I'm a okay. religious box score checker. Like a lot that of that was goes much kinda, better than I was thinking you were. Yeah, yeah. Like it kind of go. A lot of it just sort of gla- I just sort of glaze over. Um, but it's kind of weird because it's like I don't like Ryan Braun is still my favorite brewer, which I, I guess I feel kind of bad about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's sort of a relic of of when I was more into the team. I did I did have MLB TV probably up until maybe like the. 2011 season even um and i just didn't watch it very much and i used to back in the day i i i was a huge ben sheets fan ben sheets was maybe my favorite brewer over the past like years um just so frustrating but yeah like watching like because that's the thing like if you don't like watching pitching baseball is not great to watch um but uh but i don't know i mean the team's the team's pretty fun right now obviously and uh so i'm i'm actually i've I've now vaguely i know early in the year we talked about we we exposed my complete lack of (laughs) knowledge me calling eric thames marcus thames um so i i guess i know like a little bit more about this team at this point it seems like there are a lot of likable guys on it uh brent Suter, i think is my favorite guy just because he he just like seems like somebody to be fun to hang out with and 
he does that like raptor impression but anyway <laughs> uh, we, have bucks, we have bucks news and, and more importantly um me talking about my favorite brewers um you know fan favorite the guy that i and and you have been campaigning uh, all summer to be brought back um for you know <laughs> less less basketball reasons more just emotional fan reasons locker room reasons but um, we thought it there was a good chance of it happening, but um, I know we even got asked over the weekend, why didn't we have an emergency podcast to celebrate it? But Jason, the Jet Terry, is officially back in Milwaukee, and we had some other news today, and I don't it, it, stuff's starting to happen. Uh, and, and oh, we're here, we are here. It, stuff's happening, and and Jet being back in the fold um, just just makes me very happy. And again, I know it's it's. It's somewhat of an emotional thing as a fan, just seeing a guy who who brings me happiness uh, <laughs> in sort of you know intangible ways. But um, but yeah, Jets back. Maybe Brandon rushes in the fold, and you got to hang out with a bunch of folks from the Bucks today at the charity golf tournament. So I I, I don't where 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 do we begin? Um, I think Jets probably a good spot uh, now. I I should I, part of me wanted to say well the final fifteen are kind of set, but. Apparently, with Brandon Rush in the fold, it's not. I, maybe he's not guaranteed like the the, the James Young deal, but I, that would be kind of surprising for uh, such a late contract ad of a veteran um, in that kind of spot in their career. So, non guaranteed would, would kind of surprise me. Also, because the agency tweeted it out, um, that would surprise Which is me. Which weird. Like Which I don't. Is weird. I don't. I don't. One, it's weird, and also. Two, I don't know if an agency is celebrating their ability to get their guy uh, a non-guaranteed training camp invite. Like that doesn't seem like something uh, you'd want to tweet out to folks and uh, kind of celebrate. But maybe that's the case. Uh, so we'll kind especially, of. I'd say especially today on a day when Mark Bartelstein of Priority Sports once again swindled an nba team into giving a Plumley brother 40 plus million dollars um amazing i could not believe this mason Plumley, not to detour too much but mason Plumley, who again i mean i, I understand mason Plumley is the superior Plumley brother but um with as a restricted free agent he's never going to start for the denver nuggets the Denver Nuggets gave up a first-round pick and Yusuf Nurkic, who pretty much everyone I think would agree is probably better than Mason Plumley, yeah. um, for the right to get him last year. There's no indication there were any suitors for him. You know, no team with cap space. I mean, the, the Bulls and and Sixers, I guess, might have been able to make a run. And I think the Bulls with Miritich, I'm not even sure if they could. I think they're over the cap, especially with their they have a big trade exception as well. So basically, nobody could give him big money. And and somehow Mark Bartelstein every year gets a plumly a stupid amount of money. Last year it was Miles getting 52 million from the Bucks. This year, despite the market, despite no leverage, somehow. Jedi mind tricks, uh, Tim Connolly and Arturis Karnisovas, who I joked, um, maybe this was him trying to make Bucks fans feel better about, you know, not becoming the Bucks GM. Um, but for some reason, they gave Mice and Palmy three years, 41 million with all guarantees. And he's never going to play more than like 20 minutes for them, probably. And they have Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic as their clear starters and Kenneth Reed's still hanging around and they got Trey Lyles. And, um, I, I just don't, I just don't understand. And Juancho Gomez is probably more before. I, I just don't get any of that, but, 
um, yeah, Mark Bartelstein was should have been doing backflips for that deal, Priority Sports. Um, but for some reason, they also tweeted out today about excitement that uh, Brandon Rush is is coming to Milwaukee, which uh, I guess nobody in Milwaukee has has exactly acknowledged yet. Yeah, and obviously, both me and Matt Velasquez were around plenty of Bucks people, um, and couldn't really get a solid word out of any of them on that. So it's. I mean, it's still up in the air, and again, I don't know if, one, when it's going to happen, if it happens, how it happens, all of those things, but also, I don't know how excited anyone is about about Rush. There there was a, a solid-ish year a couple of years ago, but I don't think he really impressed anyone last season. Um, I don't know. It's It's a spot where... I don't, I don't even understand where he may fit because I, I guess no matter what with the Jason Kidd team, there's probably going to be a four to five game stretch where you're going to get a ton of minutes and you're going to have a chance to to prove yourself because that's just kind of how uh, Jason runs his rotations. But at the same time, I don't know how he fits in in Milwaukee and how he fits into the rotation, who he would be taking minutes for or from. Um, that there just really doesn't seem to be a spot for him, um, which would, as much as I don't know if there's ever a spot for GP2 in Milwaukee, yeah, the Brandon Rush fitting into this roster better doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. Um, so I don't know. I'm just kind of struggling with all of it as a whole. Yeah, the interesting thing, I, I was just kind of trying to get some, doing some reading on him just because, I mean, I mean, I've I've seen Brandon Rush over the years, right? But did I pay close attention to what he was doing in Minnesota last year? Absolutely not. Right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know. I can give you a great scouting report on what he looked like last season. Yeah. Um, you know, he he enjoyed a bit of a, a career renaissance after, you know, struggling after an ACL tear a few years ago. Uh, bounced back and and was very efficient uh, as a three point shooter. Got a firm number of minutes for the Warriors a couple years back. And uh, and then ended up signing from in Minnesota last year for three and a half million, and then ended up playing a fair amount over twenty minutes a game. Um, didn't play a ton of games, but um, did actually start games. You know, did actually play meaningful minutes. And um, you know, you look at the numbers. wasn't efficient because he couldn't make any two pointers. But um, he's a great corner three point shooter. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think, at this point. Um, defensive rpm last year was actually pretty solid like negative 0.73 but his offensive rpm was like minus three so um that sort of tells you i mean he's not really doing anything offensively other than you know standing in a corner and, and spotting up for threes but 43 percent on corner threes last year as well as for his career um you know he shot the three ball pretty well of late um last couple of years and and so that's one thing he can do and that's that's a marketable NBA skill. Um, and the one thing I thought was interesting, though, you mentioned, you know, where does he fit positionally or rotation wise? And again, I, you know, I think we'd start. Obviously, both of us would say the guys you're talking about when you're say, looking at your 14 and 15 spots, they're not guys that typically have a spot right in a rotation. Right. They're typically guys Correct. that you would say are break in case of emergency type players. Um, Jason Terry, obviously veteran locker room guy, you know will push guys like Rashad Vaughn and and Sterling Brown. But, you know, as much as we love Jet, we're not really rooting for him to get, take their minutes. You know, we'd obviously love to see the young guys beat him out for minutes. Yep. Um, and you'd say the same about 
uh, Brandon Rush. I think the interesting thing was I've always thought of Brandon Rush as like a, a two three, like a, a, a wingman. Um, reading just the ESPN scouting report that was going into last year, actually said that he played. He's become more of a, a three four, kind of a combo forward as he's kind of aged and um, maybe lost a little bit of a step. Uh, so that might be interesting. That kind of got me thinking. Well, maybe he's you know basically the Michael Beasley replacement or something, except obviously a completely different type of player, right? He's obviously Bees was a guy you could just throw the ball to to get buckets. Brush is pretty much the opposite, a guy who all he wants to do is shoot threes, whereas Bees didn't want to shoot enough threes. Um, you know, keep in mind, <laughs> Milt Newton, Buck's new assistant GM, was in Minnesota last year. So um, obviously he has an idea of what Brandon Rush can bring to a basketball team. And, you know, you'd assume if he is indeed signing, if he's indeed getting a guaranteed contract, that um, there'd be, you know, good thoughts about him and how he'd fit into a locker room and play a role. And, you know, a lot of times, obviously, when you when you talk about these end of bench guys, you're just talking about guys who can just fill a, a narrow role if needed. So, um, you know, is, is Brandon Rush going to, you know, give you more than Steve Novak did a year ago on the court? Probably yes. Um, <laughs> as far as in my heart of hearts and loving Steve Novak as a local guy, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's a guy, I, I, I guess, uh, he's a guy who maybe could compete for some of those Beasley minutes, especially with Jabari out. Um, and so maybe it's more of, um, DJ Wilson that he gives a run for in terms of minutes. So you've got Jet kind of challenging the, the young guards for, for playing time and you've got, uh, Brandon Rush theoretically hypothetically challenging dj wilson maybe for playing time which i understand obviously like most fans are not going to be too excited about the idea of young guys losing minutes to to veterans um i think this is a sign that i've gotten old as a fan is that i just you know i care about that stuff when it's like really important high profile young players that like really matter to the core of the team like sterling brown like if sterling brown can't beat out jet and i realize you worry about kid overplaying jet but if Sterling Brown can't get any minutes, it's not something that keeps me up at night. <laughs> you know, like I don't think you need yeah. to get Sterling Brown 20 minutes or Rashad Vaughn 20 minutes. Um, TJ Wilson being a first rounder, obviously you want to, you would love for him to win some minutes. But um, again, this is kind of the kind of thing where it's, it's much more marginal in terms of the rotation. So I guess we'll see. And I think obviously the other follow up question is, you know, you had 15 guys with NBA contracts coming into today, including uh, GP2 and his non guaranteed minimum contract. Um, obviously, if you bring in another guy, uh, and, or, you know, for that matter, if, you know, the Bucks, if James Young blew them away in training camp or something like that, right? Like if that had been a case, um, you know, they could have made a decision on, on GP2 without, you know, really hurting themselves from a salary standpoint. So, um, you know, could GP2 be waived and then re signed as a two way contract? You know, all those things are kind of in play. And, and I don't know if you had any thoughts on, what you would want to see the Bucks do, or what you would think would make the most sense, but certainly there there are a couple different you know ways the Bucks could go here um, at this point, or really over the next month, because they don't really have to make that kind of decision immediately. Yeah, I think I would be most comfortable if I saw that Brandon Rush contract be non guaranteed, um, because I don't like I said I, I don't really know how he fits in. I don't i don't like his game enough to say that okay for sure this is this is the guy that needs to be on the bucks bench and needs to be uh on this roster i'm not there at all with him so uh not guaranteed would make me feel very comfortable and then if you do end up liking him you end up liking uh james you like young like you can just move g2 
GP2 along, and maybe there is the possibility that you say, okay, we don't want you as one of these guys, but we could use you as a two-way, and you sign them that way. Um, maybe that's that's something that could work out better for you. But uh, yeah, I'm not. As far as how I wanted to play out, I, I think that would be ideal. But again, I I just struggle to see. Uh, Brennan Rush signing this deal if that was the case uh, and again maybe he's in a spot where there's no other options for him and this is his best option and his best uh, his best place to sign uh, but at the same time I, I would think there's maybe something still out there but we are get like you said the, the season's pretty much here like media day is next Monday uh, practice starts the next day I think what first preseason game is a week from that uh so we're we're getting very close to the season even though it may not feel like that so maybe the clock is just ticking and he needed to find a team and make a move and uh whether or not it's guaranteed he thought this was the place to do it so we'll see there but i think retaining flexibility in that area would be the ideal situation um and I, I'm trying to think. It was when we were talking about Jet uh, a couple weeks ago. I had some people on Twitter like, oh, why don't you try to get like a high upside guy there? And it's like, well, high upside guys like don't really exist for like the 15th spot on your roster. Maybe there's some guys uh, with some high upside that could be two-way guys um, or something like that. But uh, I don't think there's really free agents available that have super high upside. And if they do, you got extremely lucky lucky and hit a diamond in the rough. Um, so to me, those spots are about not rocking the boat, about being able to contribute something if you are ever needed. Like you said, like if you need to break the class, break the glass in case of emergency, you can fill in in that role. But largely, it's just to be there. Um, and exist and for me to never hear anything negative about you no problems in the locker room uh, no calling out other teammates just being a good solid teammate that does not distract or get in the way um, in any way so um, I don't know we'll see I, I don't I don't really know much more or have any more thoughts than we'll see and we'll attempt to figure out where they're going with it. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're going to, you know, sort of Monday, well, it's it's now Monday evening, so I'll, I'll Monday evening quarterback this. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you're going to do that with, like, the Bucks summer, I think, you know, where having to wait to make the Haas decision probably hurt them the most is, you know, I, as much as obviously I like having Jet back, you know, I mean, they could have brought Jet back and also made a different move. Um, and, you know, looking, I mean, this is a guy that you like probably more than I did, but, you know, seeing Ian Clark basically signed for, I don't know if he signed for the minimum, I think it was like 1.6, I think probably around the minimum with um, New Orleans, right? I mean, yeah. the, the, a guy like that, right? I mean, a guy who, um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize him as, as high upside either, but he's a guy who has been a, a legit NBA rotation player on a great team. Yep. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe playing for the Warriors also helped him a lot and, and he won't look quite as good on a, on another team. But, um, but, you know, I think that's the thing, right? Like when you wait, when you have to wait a, a while, because again, they presumably were trying to find other options, keeping their, you know, kind of options open to other moves that might have alleviated their luxury tax issues. So you don't, 
you know, end up stretching Spencer Hawes until you absolutely have to make a decision as to whether you're going to do it or not. Um, you know, as a result, you're kind of in a position then where your options are are more limited, right? And so, again, if we want to um, play, well, the shoulda, woulda, coulda, um, then, then you could maybe make an argument, well, if they had just sort of bit the bullet on that or, um, you know, just cut GP2 knowing that you could have... Um, you could have always used Hawes anyway, right? I mean, you could have waved GP2, tried to go after a guy like like Ian Clark, which, you know, again, you you could use him as a proxy too, right? I mean, uh, certainly a month ago, there were a number of other players that you'd look at as, as being more clear NBA players than um, than GP2. So, um, so waiting, I think, does obviously, it limits your options. And, you know, for Brandon Rush, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Brandon Rush is probably happy to, to catch on anywhere where even if it's a partial guarantee, um, you know, uh, again, I mean, he could actually play here, right? <laughs> he could he could get signed in late September, yeah. and just based on Jabari being out and the lack of sort of proven NBA talent, sort of at the three four spots, you know, you've got Mirza floating around. Um, you know, you've got uh, obviously Giannis is your your number one option at the four. Chris to start at the three. Snell can play some three, um, and then you've got sort of Mirza, DJ Wilson. You know, you're one injury away from Brandon Rush actually, like playing 15 minutes at as like a hybrid forward right like that, yeah that's that's a pretty unique opportunity so wouldn't surprise me at all if, if that was appealing just because even if it's not guaranteed he might think well i actually have you know a better chance to stick just because they might be able to need me so anyway um anything else on that or should we talk a little bit more about um while i was busy uh, having a, a regular job you uh, you got to spend your day at a golf course i guess and just talk about basketball so yeah to, you know, score that one for, for Eric having uh, a, a way more enjoyable job than me. But um, I, what, what was your day like? Give us give us some background on on kind of what, what the day was about and um, who you talked to and, and what you learned other than not a whole lot about Brandon Rush. <laughs> um, I, I guess one of the big things I learned is that SeatGeek has incredible deals. They all, they've always had it. They you didn't always, know that until today. You know, you learn something new every day, Frank, and you never know where you're going to get this epiphany. And it just happened to be out on a golf course. You know, I had some time to contemplate and reflect, and I thought to myself, wow, SeatGeek really has great deals. And I went on the app immediately and, st- like I said, started looking at tickets for uh, the Cubs Brewers series and taking a look at some of the stuff for Bucks tickets because – that's a month away, literally one month from today. It is, I think, September 18th right now while we're recording. October 18th is the season opener, I believe, um, if I have my dates right. So a month away from the season, I was looking up NBA tickets. I was looking at NFL tickets. I was looking at all the tickets, and SeatGeek has them all. They're all set out for you, and they find the best deals for you. They grade them. They put them on the map, the seat map that you can see at any event that you're going to check out and you're going to see the best deals those are the green dots the big green dots and they got it all figured out for you at SeatGeek and they also have a wonderful promo code for you it's L-O-N-B-A again L-O-N-B-A for Lockdown NBA and you can use that promo code by downloading the SeatGeek app going to the settings tab entering enter a promo code enter promo code L-O-N-B-A again that's L-O-N-B-A and that'll get you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase so head over to SeatGeek and do that today now, Eric, October fourth, preseason. Don't. It's not just about the regular season. Keep in mind, Pacers in Milwaukee on October fourth. Seat Geek tickets starting at thirteen bucks. You can get in the lower bowl. 
along the baseline, like, you know, basically we always talk about between the baselines where you want to be, there there are some tickets right now for 36 bucks a pop. So That's um, actually a really good deal if you Yeah. If there you, are a lot of yeah, there are a lot of red dots right now too in the lower bowl. Um, so might want to set an alert for that one and just watch watch those ticket prices because something tells me those ticket prices are going to come down <laughs> a lot for for the first preseason game. I don't think people are going to want to spend a hundred over a hundred bucks for a bucks preseason game. I not to not to diminish my beloved bucks, but um, but yeah, <laughs> be sure to watch that. And I'm I'm still watching that that game in Dallas. Tickets still starting at. T- Two dollars. So um, I guess I guess Bucks fans at least have a little more respect for for their for their team than uh, than Mavericks fans at least. I always forget that you can set alerts too. You just mentioned you always mention that, and I always forget that you can do that. That's a really nice tool. Um, so yeah, that's SeatGeek. They can help you out. Use the promo code LONBA. Now for things that I learned today, I think it's kind of tough to try to narrow it down, but it was. I guess this was a nice appetizer um, as we're getting into the actual NBA season. Next Monday is media day. So while today I got to talk to three members of the Bucks, um, I'll get to talk to all the members of the Bucks next week. So this was a nice little warm-up to get back into, you know, question-asking mode and interview mode. So that was nice. Um, at the Bucks Foundation golf outing, uh, I got to talk to... Greg Monroe, I got to talk to Jason Kidd, I got to talk to Thon Maker, uh, and then I also got to talk to Alicia Dupies, and she is the Milwaukee Bucks VP of, oh, oh man, Social Community Responsibility, I believe, um, or maybe Social, Res- yeah, I think that's the right title, um, and I got to talk to her kind of about what they do with the Bucks Foundation, and that's only like a year old at this point, and uh, you may remember from this summer, any of the million times the Bucks opened a playground uh, in, or they uh, helped out at MPS or uh, when they made the million dollar grant for the 15 different charities. Like, if you remember all of those things, that is the Bucks Foundation and what they do. Uh, so it, it was kind of exciting to get to talk to her about that. And I learned something new today that I didn't know. Um, apparently, uh, she talked to, she talked a little bit about Jabari Jabari and Greg Monroe and kind of the guys that are passionate at uh, uh, their passion projects, let's say, the players and kind of what they're into. And she mentioned that when players are particularly interested in a certain project, they'll reach out to her and try to figure out how they can help things out or things that they can do to kind of further that cause. And she mentioned that Jabari obviously is very passionate about uh, helping out with MPS, getting kids into school, um, attendance for school and stuff like that. And he, to start this school year, asked, how can we help out with this? Like, what can we do? And recorded uh, some, like, you know, you can do like robocalls where you, you send them out and then on your voicemail or if you pick up the phone, it'll say, hey, this is whoever from wherever. Um, apparently he did that for MPS and they were sending it out to all MPS students. So it'd be like, hey, this is Jabari Parker of the Milwaukee Bucks. Just reminding you in two weeks, this is the first day of school at MPS. And like when I heard that, I was like, oh man, I kind of don't like getting those robocalls but at the same time if 
say I was, I don't know, like uh, in fifth grade and Jabari, like there was a, my parents were like, oh, there's a voicemail for you. And it was Jabari Parker. Like, wouldn't that be the coolest thing? Uh, I just thought like that was one, like a really cool idea, but I just imagined it from like the kid's perspective, like hearing from your mom or your dad, like, Hey, Jabari Parker left you a message. <laughs> That's crazy. It, the only downside would be if you pick up and you think Jabari Parker is actually talking to you, and then you start talking to him, and you realize it's just a recording. See, that would be the yeah, that would be the moment, true. the fleeting, the fleeting moment of excitement followed by <laughs> oh, this is this isn't actually Jabari. Um, I, I have that. You know how they sometimes do like like teams will sometimes do that thing, where, like they'll have players like call you know season ticket holders randomly yeah. and and stuff like that. I I hope I never get a call like that because. I just would I would not accept that it's the actually the player. I would just like I would just be like uh, I would just be really awkward and then probably hang up and and just not believe and and it would just be bad for everyone. So um you know that that's just my like weird social anxiety I guess. Um but uh but yeah I I guess I guess I, I, are we going to be doing are you, I feel like at some point there may be Eric name Seat Geek uh, robocalls uh, coming your way so um as long as we, as long as you don't, we won't. We promise we won't ask for your phone number. If we start asking for your phone numbers, loyal listeners, then uh, be careful because because that robocall <laughs> from Eric might be might be coming up soon. Yes, it, it could be right around the corner. So um, I thought that was interesting, and cool that Jabari kind of went out of his way, and that's one of his projects that he's very passionate about and wanted to do that. So um, I thought that was really cool hearing from her that. He went out of his way and did that. Um, okay, on to other things. Uh, we talked with, like I said, Monroe, Kid, and uh, Thon Maker. All of these interviews have been posted at ESPN Milwaukee in the audio vault. You can find them there. I've also tweeted them out. Uh, the ESPN Milwaukee Twitter feed's also tweeted them out. So you can catch all of that stuff there. So if you want to hear any of that, go check it out there. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask all of these guys was we talk about expectations for this year and often I think we're asked about expectations for this year. What can fans expect? How good is this team going to be? Can they make a jump? And I kind of want, I wanted to ask the same question and overwhelmingly I, I, I asked, okay, I think a top four seed is kind of assumed as a goal. Um, I think that's fair to say that most people think, yeah, that, that's what should happen this year. So I went a little bit further and asked if a 50-win team is possible. Um, and we, I asked Greg Monroe first, and it was hilarious because I said, oh, is there a chance that this could be a 50-win team? And he responded, no, there's no chance. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, and he was like, oh, no, no. Uh, I meant to say no doubt. Like, there, there's no doubt that we could be a 50-win team. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Well, you're, you have to listen to it. It's hilarious. Um, but it, when he said that, I was like, oh, okay. That makes me feel way better. Uh, Greg Monroe taking the under, pounding that under. <laughs> he's out. He's out. Uh, so it was just funny that it kind of went down like that. But he's like, I, I think his quote was, we can be better. Eight wins in this league can be 
like as simple as eight plays, like it, just eight plays in eight different games going a different way. Uh, and then he said, "I think we'll be eight wins better this year." Uh, obviously, did referring- you did you did you remind him that the Bucks Pythagorean win expectation last year was only forty wins? You probably did. I haven't listened to it yet, Eric, but I'm sure you brought that up to Greg Monroe. But continue. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think I did. Um, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was interesting. Uh, and when you asked, when I asked Thon and I asked Jason Kidd, I think I guess my takeaway was that none of them laughed at the idea or said, "Oh yeah, well you know you got to set your dreams high" or anything like that. It was it was all pretty much the belief that that's a reasonable expe- expectation. And um, to me, I thought that was a takeaway that that is the kind of thing that they're thinking about that. 50 wins is not crazy talk do you i don't know i mean part of me being the cynical um wound licking bucks fan of you know 25 years uh hears that and it's kind of like they were saying the same stuff two years ago right after after winning whatever it was 41 games and and basically having a similar first round playoff experience where they threw a scare into a team but but ultimately fell short um I don't know. Is it? Do you, do you think, think so? Because th- I thought I thought that was more like, oh yeah, we'll we'll try to be a, a top four team. Because I feel like there's a difference between saying, oh yeah, we're gonna try to get that top four seed, and saying, yeah, fifty wins is possible. Because I I do think fifty wins carries a certain amount of cachet uh, among players in the league and among any of us that talk about the game. I, I think. I mean, if if the number of like random fans thinking talking about 50 wins is any indication i mean i think we saw that a couple years ago granted i think this year it's a lot more realistic just because Giannis is so much further along than he was a couple years ago um but i i think uh, yeah i honestly i think I, I bet if you pulled players i think a lot of them would have said that was the goal a couple years ago but anyway whatever um i think the most important thing is that this year it it's actually i think in play right it's it's yeah. a lot more reasonable so um all right so that was like the bigger overarching uh thought between all of them and then i think there was just some interesting individual stuff uh i asked monroe i know we had talked about this was it last week or two weeks ago where we discussed the sixth man of the year and kind of how that goes to shooting guards all the time um and i brought that up with greg and before I could even finish my question, and again, I, I have some long-winded questions. Don't get me wrong; like I, I like to really, really go deep on those questions. When it'd be much easier to just finish up the question and keep it short. Um, as I was doing it, Greg was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, trying to change that. Not gonna lie, I'm trying to change that." And I was like, "Oh, okay. So this is something that you've actually thought about." And then he went into a more guarded answer of like, "Oh, you know, it's not about awards. It's not what." we're thinking about like that's not what i'm trying to do blah blah blah, blah. but just the, the reaction he had to my initial thought about it was interesting and kind of i don't want to say made me yeah it made me happy like that greg Monroe was kind of thinking the same thing that we had brought up the other week and i think the the most important thing is he didn't give you the well i think i'm a starter that that answer <laughs> yes i did not get that i did not obviously, get that at all. yeah because obviously six man is is kind of those things like uh, th- there's definitely a subset of guys who um you know if they're used to being starters it's like even the idea of being the best six man is 
like something that their ego has to sort of deal with. And and maybe a year ago, I don't I don't know, maybe a year ago Greg would have been more like that. But obviously at this point, um, you know, I think he obviously probably realizes that it, it worked and he was really good in that role. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what that will mean for his, his free agent market next year. But um, for now, obviously, um, you just hope that he can kind of keep that going and, and continue to kind of really bring, bring that value in, in an important niche role. Right. And it, you know, again, um, we'll, we'll see if it translates into six man of the year buzz, regardless of how well he plays. But, um, anyway, Greg, Greg is here for all the rumors about him perpetually being on, on the outs or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I, I shudder to think. I, I don't know. I I'm, I get very nervous if you if you told me that the Bucks were close to trading Greg Monroe, I would get very nervous because I feel like, and again, maybe last year, maybe last year was a little bit of an aberration. Maybe he's not going to be quite as good this year as last year. But um, I just I just feel like their best bet in the short term, especially with Jabari out, um, especially kind of maybe needing those training wheels a little bit of of having Greg's value off the bench. I, I just feel a lot better with with having him uh, having him be that weapon off the bench, and um, if it means him getting some six man of the year buzz, even better. It's funny you mentioned maybe he wouldn't have felt that way last year. I would feel confident guaranteeing you he did not feel that way <laughs> last year because the way he reacted when I brought up the fact that Jason said he was coming off the bench on media day would suggest he did not love it. Um, one last Monroe thing, so. I decided to go cheesy with all of those guys and ask them, like, you know, when you were in elementary school and you'd come back to school, you'd always have, like, a writing assignment or something where it'd be like, what was the fun thing Frank Madden did this summer? Like, what was the best thing you did? Whatever it would be. So I asked all those guys that, and Greg started with saying, like, oh, you know, it's pretty pretty mild summer like you know i don't really do a lot and then he says oh i went to cabo and we're like oh okay that that should be pretty fun and he's like yeah i went to cabo for the jordan brand retreat and i was like wait (laughs) wait what and then he tells us about a lip sync battle and i was like okay continue and he's like oh yeah so you know break into groups and do like a lip sync battle it was pretty epic and i was like okay i need way more details so i asked him like who was on his team and then he started listing off like nfl players boxers and i was like wait so it wasn't a jordan basketball brand retreat like it was the entire brand he's like oh yeah it was everybody uh and then he's talking about how how crazy it was and how awesome it was, and how Michael Finley stole the show. Of all people, Michael Finley. <laughs> uh, and was t- talking about how he wishes that that kind of thing would go viral. And I was like, Greg, you have a phone. You you can make it go viral. Like All you have to do is put it on your Instagram, and it would go viral. And he's like, well, I got some clips. Um, so I don't know if, <laughs> if we need to start a Twitter campaign, if we need people getting on Greg's Instagram. Like, I desperately want to see the Jordan brand lip sync battle in Cabo. So we need to find a way to get those videos in the public sphere because clearly Greg has some of them on his phone. Did he say how many people were at the Jordan brand uh retreat i mean it sounds like a lot of a lot of dudes right yeah he said every like every jordan athlete gets the invite like not everyone goes and i would just i would suggest to anyone go listen to this interview that brian d and i did with him 
and attempt to figure out the details of the Jordan Brand retreat because I do not know how the Jordan Brand has not like Instagrammed some videos, like put out anything about this because I Googled Jordan uh Jordan player retreat Cabo Jordan brand retreat Cabo like I was looking for information on it I don't know when it happened I was trying to piece together guys like Instagrams like when they were in Cabo this summer I don't know it has to be crazy and it has to be an insane number of professional athletes in Cabo at a resort like how is some how has this not escaped before like how I had no idea this was a thing until Greg Monroe told me about it today interesting yeah searching around it looks like there's one. I see one tweet about in 2016 a Jordan Brander cheat in the Bahamas, but that was before it happened. So, I, I mean, I guess maybe what what happens in the Jordan Brand retreat stays in the Jordan <laughs> Brand retreat, and I guess um, I don't a, know. Maybe, that's a rule Greg's not going to break. I don't maybe, know. I don't know. Maybe Greg Monroe's going to change that. All right. What what else do you got other than uh, <laughs> other than Greg Monroe and and uh, and lip sync battles? By the way, if they're like. Well, I, I'm just going to leave it. I don't even. I don't really need to talk about the idea of lip sync battles and whether that's how entertaining they actually are. Let's let's just wait for the videotape. But let's move on. Uh, so I had Jason Kidd next. We got to talk a little bit about Jason Terry and kind of what he means. Um, and I just, I guess the the big takeaway was Jason saying we're going to try to limit his minutes, and then immediately saying, well. But when you say you're going to try to limit someone's minutes, that means you probably end up playing them a whole lot because you jinx yourself or something of that nature. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. Um, and I mentioned how last year I I thought that I was quite critical of, of playing Jason Terry that much early in the season. And eventually he was not only valuable for the locker room, but also on the floor. Talked a little bit uh, about that. Then asked about the 50 wins and during that kid dropped this line we can talk about being young but at some point we can't use that as a crutch anymore which i thought was was an interesting line to use again i don't know if he means at some point is right now in the context it certainly meant like okay we can't use that anymore like that's at that point um not anymore as years down the line. So I, I do think it's kind of a spot where he believes they they need to show some improvement this year and they need to really put a good product out on the floor. So, uh, again, he didn't laugh at 50 wins, thought that was possible. And then, finally, I asked about Giannis being top five in the MVP convo, and, and he said, well, if he had the season that he had last year, he'll be in that conversation this year. And... I think that's a, a pretty strong indication of what he's expecting from Giannis. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is, I mean, Jason Kidd is a guy who you think about his incentives. I mean, his incentives as coach are more to sort of manage expectations, right? I mean, he he doesn't necessarily get much benefit from having expectations be 50 wins or right. second round of the playoffs. You know, pl- players, you know, I mean, obviously any, anybody of the team, like, okay, there's theoretically some some maybe some value in, in managing expectations in case you disappoint but especially the coach you know I mean if if this team uh, if, if ownership feels that 50 wins is the goal and you know the Bucks win 43 games um, Jason Kidd is an obvious potential scapegoat for that right and yep. I don't even want to say scapegoat but just you know guy who who is not doing himself any favors if he's playing into those expectations so uh, it's interesting, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they wouldn't 
that he would not try to publicly downplay those just for you know selfish reasons. Um, but uh, but it obviously does set up some interesting dynamics sort of as the season wears on um, because uh, yeah, I mean you can't hide from it if everybody's talking about winning a ton of games. I think even a couple of years ago, you know, uh, John Hammond during the preseason, I remember him saying they're trying to go from good to good i think <laughs> didn't he say oh, that yeah, yeah um after the 41 win season yep. i think he was probably a bit more realistic that um you know they weren't quite necessarily ready to make a leap especially with you know jabari was a rookie coming off an acl tear i think a lot of people mistakenly assumed they're like oh he's gonna come back and be this big value add um you know and obviously that's that's even more of a question this year but but obviously there's a bunch of other reasons why uh, a bigger leap is is more reasonable so anyway okay jason kidd actually said something that's that's interesting yeah i would say also on top of that he said and maybe you don't end up measuring it by wins but winning a playoff series is what something to the effect of is what we want to do this year so that's also that same thing where he is he's not gaining anything by making people expect more of them but in our interview and again you can listen to it all and take away whatever you like from the interview but again it was the same thing where 50 wins was maybe not an expectation but something that some people could expect and on top of that a playoff series win that was that was the goal that he set out and thought was reasonable for this year so again some actual some actual things uh that would lead you to expect something from the Bucks and to be looking to make someone responsible for it if it doesn't happen, um, for that failure. So I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Thon said, if we went on 50 wins, if we can stay healthy, it's obtainable. Um, and then I thought there was just a, a number of interesting things about Thon because Thon's fun because he's in that spot where every picture of him is supposed to tell you something new like oh is he is he gaining weight is he stronger uh, has he grown like, like there's always these pictures and there's everyone trying to theorize what it says about Thon um, so we try to get to the bottom of that a little bit I asked him about his diet because when we we took a tour of the training facility uh, the the chef there had said that we try to feed Don as much as possible. Like anytime he's not on the floor, he should be eating. And I was like, okay, what does that translate to? And Thon said that, uh, let's see, six meals is his goal every day. And that if he can eat more than that, he's having a great day. Uh, and he also said pretty much whatever I can eat, it's important to eat as much food as I can because I'm going to burn it off right away. Um, which like is just crazy, and and then I wanted to clarify. I was like, okay, so when you say six meals, like, is there like three actual meals and then, like three like peanut butter and jellies? And he's like, no, six full meals. I was like, what? Um, so that was fun and exciting and just interesting. And Thon telling stories is always fun. Uh, so that was good. Uh, I asked him what he's improved on this year, and. He said that he's worked hard on his shot and it's gotten a lot better, to which I quickly retorted, like, it was pretty good last year. And he goes, oh, 
you'll see. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, then sounds good. Uh, and then that's like, that's the ultimate September get fans excited, type <laughs> move, isn't it? Correct. Dreaming of Thon maker shooting 42% from three or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and then, uh, Brian had asked him if there was like a moment where everything clicked for him. And I, in the past when I've asked on that, he's always kind of, I don't want to say pushed it away, but just been like more so describing a general area. Um, and he told Brian today that uh, he said that the last game before the All-Star game or before the All-Star break against the Nets was the moment for him where everything clicked in the NBA, which I thought was interesting because he hadn't put a date on it before. And then finally he, he said that uh, one of the things fueling him this entire offseason has been the final defensive player of the year. And the play he's referring to is that game six play where DeRozan catches on the left baseline, gets past Thon, and throws it down. Um, or did he throw it down or did he lay it? Whatever it was. I think he dunked it, didn't he? Right? I, I think th- it was a He dunk. had one big dunk in there, yeah. I think it was a dunk. And it came kind of it late in that game six after they had made that comeback. Uh, so I, I I was kind of surprised to hear that that was something that stuck with him, but still interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, uh, and by the way, I was I was kind of curious um, that the Brooklyn game you mentioned. Uh, I, I mean, it's interesting looking at, at Thon's game log real quick, just as far as like, oh, when did when did things kind of begin to click? Um, you know, it was really against the Lakers that he played a bunch of minutes. Uh, he hadn't played much the for previous three games it was on February tenth. Um, scored twelve points in, in Indiana in a win, and then. Uh, a couple games later, this game in Brooklyn where if it supposedly clicked, I mean, he made one of two shots, scored four points, four rebounds in 14 minutes. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Like, you know, you, you don't yeah. look at it in a box score and it's like, oh, that's when he came into his own. Um, you know, he played more minutes a, a few times before that as well. So, um, so yeah, interesting, interesting to kind of kind of see what, you know, sometimes you just really can't guess at these things from, from the outside. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Hopefully, I think I think the thing too is I mean the the playoffs. You mentioned that defensive play, um, really defensively is where he's shown. You know, he, he really showed out uh, against the Raptors. You know, some of those plays where he hung with uh, uh, Kyle Lowry in particular. You know, were really kind of stuck out. But by the same token as well, I mean, you know, only shot thirty nine percent from the field. Um, only hit uh, I think two out of ten threes in that series. So um, certainly a lot of opportunities to get better. But did end the end the the series. Um, only played 13 minutes in the final game, didn't make a shot, but blocked five shots and um, had some big plays. So, um, you know, probably the frustration was playing playing so well defensively and then and then having DeRozan make that big play late. Uh, but but good to see he's got a he's got a long memory and hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully it translates into to better results this year, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I was also going to add during that interview, Brian had asked him which thing kind of pleases him most. What does he get the most? excitement out of and he asked blunt uh excuse me dunk block or three um and i was kind of surprised thon said dunk um and i was thinking back to that toronto series where like after some of those blocks he's like screaming and just kind of making a show out of it and he was like well you know the dunks, uh, that's, I don't know, He's uh, I feel like that's a, a more of a statement. So, I don't know, it was interesting. Like I said, all three of those 
interviews were I thought very interesting. We didn't get Kid for quite as long as I would have liked, um, but he was general generally in a, a very good mood, which makes sense because as we talked about the other week, he playing golf. He's golfing. He he's jacked to <laughs> jacked to be alive. So uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, go check them all out, and if you have any questions, you know, hit me up on Twitter, and uh, we can talk about it. But I, I thought some pretty fun stuff, especially Thon and Greg. They were they were a ton of fun today, uh, so that was cool. And I, I think it gives me something to look forward to, asking questions and thinking about what I'm going to be thinking about uh, during media day, and kind of what I'm thinking about as the preseason gets going, and uh, just kind of a nice little warm up. Yeah, and the interesting thing, of course, is. This year's media day is going to look a lot like last year's media day. Uh, John Schumann uh, had updated his uh, continuity index that he's got, and uh, the Bucks were were number one in terms of uh, the you know basically the number of sort of rotation minutes that that we're carrying over from year to year, which isn't surprising considering right now uh, Michael Beasley's the only guy uh, and Spencer Hawes the only two guys see uh, and, and not on the roster. And right there, I can tell you, media day is not going to be like last year because Beasley's not there to throw out incredible one-liners like at that moment i can tell you no it's not going to be the same in fact there's going to be a, a hole in my heart for where the beasley used to be because uh, it's just going to be sad at who's i mean jet's going to have some good lines he always does but i don't know who's going to fill that beasley size hole in my heart well you, you the bees knees are gone but dj wilson's thighs uh will be there <laughs> um and presumably with those short shorts you're going to see a lot of them so um i'm i'm sure there's going to need to be some questions about uh dj wilson's uh sartorial choices <laughs> um and uh hopefully hopefully the jet you know will feel in his element i mean jason terry you know you could drop him uh pretty much anywhere and he would feel at ease but uh going into a second year in milwaukee hopefully uh hopefully he'll be in in fine form as well talking about uh you know the the guys from last year and um you gotta you gotta drag some some good stories out of be out of a jet from last year um and and see if you can get do some storytelling because obviously last year he he basically only kind of knew kid and 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 i guess beasley right they played together in houston but didn't didn't know that many other guys on the team so um, i I think that's a good goal i i'll spend the next week trying to figure out how i can yank something out of him so hopefully he's got something good well and and remember i mean was it in training camp? i don't know if it was media day specifically but i think or, or in training camp i mean Jet was predicting all defense for Giannis. I think. I think I remember that. He did. That was media day. Um, so you're going to have to maybe maybe butter him up by asking him about his uh, his predictions from a year ago that came true. Mm, and that's not uh, a bad way in, Frank. I like that. Yeah. See what uh, see what see what other questions uh, you, can, <laughs> you can maybe kind of worm in there. So um, yeah, it's getting close. God, the NBA season is getting close. It's, it's crazy. Exciting. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. We are looking forward to it. Um, I think that's going to be it for us for tonight on Lockdown Bucks. Obviously, SeatGeek brought this to you. Frank, I'm thinking we need to go on a review drive. Because I just look at <sighs> I, I saw our iTunes, and you know what? I don't think there's no five-star reviews there. Yeah, well, we need to we need to start rewarding our friends who who do throw us bones with some five-star reviews. So um, let, next time we're gonna do some we're gonna do some shout-outs. Um, so be sure to to get in there. Uh, we appreciate the support. Um, if you've got any comments for us, feel free to leave comments in there as well. And um, you know, I don't know any any feedback. Obviously, is great. Tweet at us. Uh, whatever is the easiest way for you to do it. But uh, we always appreciate the reviews. Helps us. Uh, 
stay up there in the podcast rankings and um and and we'll do our part by uh, by showing some love uh to to our, our wonderful listeners all right sounds good uh we will do that next time uh this has been lockdown bucks that was frank men i'm eric bain this is brought to you by seat geek check out the promo code l-o-m-b-a again l-o-n-b-a and that'll get you a 20 dollars rebate on your first seat geek purchase this has been lockdown bucks we will talk to you later